Hey, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. That's Chris over there in West Seattle. Hi, Chris. Hello, Rick. I'm in Shoreline. And he and I were talking, as we always do, whether it's in front of microphones or on the phone, and we were talking about watershed guitars. And the topic of the Super Strat came up. Uh, so we thought we'd talk about that because he and I were both playing guitar as young people uh, when that whole fad kind of hit and took off. And I remember it vividly because I was I was very much into Van Halen and it affected me to the point where, you know, I created my own little Super Strat from my Mateo copy. I, I didn't play it much. It was kind of, you know, you know me, I'm whimsical and I'll do something and then I won't I won't play it. But but I remember it distinctly and, and the effect it had on the guitar world was huge. I mean, it impacted, you know, at that point, everybody then wanted to play a strat light guitar with one humbucker or a couple humbuckers and a Floyd Rose and shred. And the, the market was just flooded with those guitars, Kramer's, uh, Jackson's, um, you name it, all those crazy guitars. But I remember it vividly. It, it it kind of impacted me and I was touched by it and I kind of got bit by the bug, but not too heavily because the main guitar I played in the 80s was actually more like a Strat, a traditional Strat with three single coils. But but what's your recollection of that whole thing when you saw it happening and, and, and its effect on the guitar world and guitar culture? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I was in shit too back then in the day. <laughs> But I, and I remember it, it didn't influence me in any way as far as like playing the guitar or wanting to play the guitar. It was kind of like something that was interesting to watch from the sidelines, but I probably never even really picked up or held one of those guitars. Maybe in the nineties when like, if something came through the shop when I was working uh -huh. at, I guess we should maybe go over, first of all, an outline of what, maybe what I refer to as a super strat is something different. I always just assumed that a super strat was a stratocaster that had a humbucker, a single coil, single coil, or sometimes two humbuckers. It had like a really flat, wide neck yeah. and it had some fancy schmancy vibrato, like high tech vibrato system, usually like a Floyd Rose, but sometimes a Kaler or whatever. Yeah. Is that pretty much? And also, yeah, like, a little bit later on, like hot colors came in, like, you know, oh, chartreuse yeah. and pink. So oh, the yeah. colors later on. It's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day when we talked about this is sometime probably in the very early 80s. I used to go to this little music store in Saginaw, Michigan, and they had Kramer guitars there. And they were they were actually pretty cool. They were Strat shaped guitars. Uh -huh. They had a Strat headstock and, you know, and they said Kramer on them. And um, they didn't have, I don't remember them having like a Floyd Roser. I just remember them having a Strat huh. style bridge. In the Kramer history said that they made about a thousand guitars with the Fender shaped headstock. And that was it. There were like 50 of them in this one store in Saginaw, Michigan. So I don't know where the other 950 were. It was a cool guitar. I remember picking it up and saying, oh, this would be cool. And it was like, you know, 300 bucks or something for a new USA, you know, Strat style guitar. So it was a good deal. Interesting. And then shortly after that, that's when the Super Strat really started kicking in, That where you started seeing a lot of them. And, you know, towards the middle of the 80s, they got into the really hot colors and shit like that. But I, yeah, yeah they, it's so funny because that guitar was really polarizing, I think, for a lot of people. I, I knew people that didn't play guitar or weren't musicians at all that hated those guitars. And when yeah. you mentioned those guitars, yeah. <laughs> it, because MTV was on and someone's like, oh, I hate that fucking guitar. Like, you <laughs> 
when they got to the pointy headstock phase, which, you know, a lot yeah. of them just like, because it just became so associated with hair metal. I mean, yeah. that's like, you know, where it went and kind of where it ended up. You know, at the time I was playing an actual Stratocaster, a USA Stratocaster, and I didn't really... I didn't like them at all. I didn't even give them much thought other than probably negatively. Like if I saw yeah. like, oh, that's, you know, that's a, you know, that's a metal guitar. I don't want anything to do with that. But how about you? What, what did you think of them when they, when they started popping up? Well, it's interesting because my first exposure to it was the Van Halen guitar. I saw that album cover and heard his, you know, guitar sound. And I'm like, oh man, that's insane. And so I had at the time this Mateo Strat that I converted into kind of an Eddie Van Halen guitar. I bought there. I bought a Seymour Duncan, Eddie Van Halen pickup, humbucker, put it in there. I didn't, I didn't put a Floyd on it. I just left the the stock trim, you know, which is a, like a fender trim, but it was more kind of a curiosity. I didn't really play the guitar much. Actually. It was kind of more like a shop project, you know, kind of inspired by this weird guitar right. I saw on that album cover. And so, and like you, my main guitar, it wasn't a Strat, but it was a Yamaha that had a Strat configuration, just three single coils. And, and, um, that was it. So again, so it's weird. It didn't really affect me in the way, in the way that it affected other people where it's like, Hey, I'm going to get a super Strat and that's going to be my main axe, you know? And I could never get my head around at the time too. The Floyd roast thing was really heavy. People were routing out their guitars and having those things put in their guitars and that was also part of kind of, I think, you know, the fever that caught on once Eddie Van Halen became this thing, right? Everybody wanted this trim system on their guitar that wouldn't go out of tune and they wanted humbucker, you know, pickups. So for me, yeah. And I don't really remember polarizing comments among people that I was hanging out with or anything, but, but I know for a fact, like you were saying, once the guitars got pointy headstocks and all this other crap, and there were just literally pointy guitars, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. The thing that I found fascinating was all the Gibsons and Fenders that people were playing before that were kind of collecting dust, right? I mean, you could go to a guitar sh shop and everybody was buying these super strats or pointy guitars, all these and and the other Gibsons and Fenders, it's not like they went out of favor completely, but there was some shade thrown on those guitars. And, and you know, we talk about this too. I wish I would have bought some of those guitars at that time in the 80s because you still could get them for a good price. And like I say, they were kind of out of favor um, because of the Super Strats and all these other crazy guitars that were going on. So that's kind of what I remember about it. I guess that would be true. I didn't experience that at all. I mean, I lived by elderly instruments which is a big guitar uh -huh. store and yeah. i spent a lot of time in there but i didn't experience that at all and i think it's partially because of the size of my city and the yeah. fact that the type of music that i was into didn't i mean everybody played like classic guitars you know everybody cool. that i liked everybody I listened to and everybody you know in bands or local bands that i played with or you know played shows with we were still all really into the, uh, the classic guitars but i'm sure like you said i mean that was I mean that really did affect things but to me it's from in the med from the midwest it seemed almost like a uniform like you're in a hair metal band or you're in a metal yeah. band you got to have one of these and you got to have your solo and it's got to be a tapping yeah. solo and you got all this it was yeah. really annoying for me and an interesting thing happened i remember one or one evening i went to see this show in east lansing michigan at rick's american cafe there was this band called rank and file who were playing and they were like an old like Austin, like roots, cow punk band. 
and I went to see them and they were, they were great. But one of the guitar players had a super strat, like the, with a pointy headstock. And I was just <laughs> like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you trading? What are you doing? It just seems so odd. I mean, the thing with those are, I guess they're high performance guitars, you know what yeah. I mean? And especially yeah. the ones that survived and are out today. Yeah. And I'm just not a high performance guitar person. The more I mean, even take the Stratocaster, you know, the 54 Stratocaster is like, if you actually play a 50, you know, the original one, yeah. especially the Telecaster, it's kind of like, it feels like it was made in somebody's garage, you know right. what I mean? It's kind yeah. of rough. And then just slowly over the years, they just kind of, you know, just refined it and refined it. And once it got to the point of like the American standard in the eighties, I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't give a shit. You know, some of the, um, <laughs> the vintage ones are okay, but it's like, I don't. I don't like my guitars that refined or I don't need them that refined. And I'm such a person who like is into like, it'd be like a classic car person. I mean, they're just never going to, you know, some of them just don't really care, even though the cars are so much better and so much more efficient and all that other shit. It's like, they just don't care. And that's me with guitars. So it was interesting. Like I thought of that just while you were talking about that, that rank and file show. And just like, it wasn't just me and a couple of people I was with. They're like, you you see his guitar. It's like, (laughs) that's not cool, man. (laughs) Sacrilege. I guess, you know, when you were talking about super strat, started talking about Eddie Van Halen's guitar, which I never really thought of as super strat. It was something to me when I think about it is after it became into a production guitar, you know what I mean? Yeah. Eddie Van Halen was certainly responsible for that, the one to get all the guitar makers to do it. But people were doing that long before he was. You know, the Fenders in general are really good guitars to do shit like that. Yeah. But it's just so interesting that you get somebody like Eddie Van Halen who comes out with like this revolutionary sound and way of approaching something. And suddenly by 1985, everybody was making one. Even Fender and Gibson were making them. Yeah. So, you know, the Super Strat, guitars. Well, and I think you're right. You're obviously right. I mean, people were modding their guitars before that, but I think like you said, the, the watershed moment though, all whatever the planets aligned. And then Eddie Van Halen came along with that, you know, Frankenstrat that he built. And I think that is the proto uh, super strat guitar, you know, that every, you know, that everything followed. And also like you're saying the style of play, like everybody was tapping too. Like that's another interesting thing that it's not only the guitar itself in terms of uh the hardware and everything else but but the style of play that 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 was introduced with as that super strat was being introduced was all you know this one style of guitar playing that was spawned by this one guy too and it's like you know and and for for better or worse i'll stress the worst it's like you know everybody was tapping and everybody had these these super strats and yeah i I just think it's kind of interesting it's super interesting and it's it is it is kind of fascinating that as revolutionary as what Eddie Van Halen did, that it was like a matter of months before it got so annoying. That oh, oh totally, like, dude. It didn't take very long at all. It's like everybody just went there. And I know he was he got really pissed off, I'm sure, because just to hear everybody kind of yeah. like taking his thing. But it's just like every like there were no more guitar solos really. It was just like this wank, like right. wank fest. And you would hear him like in a lot of these like hair metal bands, they would have like this almost like this sappy, like kind of like power pop ballad thing. And there yeah. would be this section in the song where it would just pretty much change and the, <laughs> the solo would be stuck in there. And it had to be something that did tapping and it had to be really yep. fast and really, really technical. And it was just really annoying for me anyways. I just, that time was kind of a bleak, but it was a very exciting time for me because I was listening to, you know, music that was new to me. So I didn't really I was only aware of it on the peripheral and in guitar magazines. I'd get guitar magazines and I'd go, oh, Jesus Christ. But there were a few people. I mean, 
God, you know, kudos to um, Slash from Guns N' Roses. He kind of saved the Les Paul during yeah. the, the height, height of that. I mean, he just like, that's he's like, true. fuck it. You know, there's no, there's no rock in these rock bands anymore. So he put the, he tried to put the rock back in the, the rock band and it went with the Les Paul and it worked. And there were, I mean, remember Cinderella? Yeah, yes, that I dude do. had to put Les Paul custom. I mean, some, there oh, some that's right. That was, that's right. They stuck to their guns. They're like, you know, fuck it. Um, yeah. We just want, you know, we want a, a classic guitar. But yeah. Well, was... Now that you say it too, lo- like locally when I was in bands too, a lot of the bands played cool regular instruments like Gibsons and Fenders and stuff like that. But I was seeing, I was seeing this pervasive trend that, that guitarists that were using those guitars, like remember the Washburn, you know, truncated Explorer guitars that yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we talk about yeah, those those cropped up. Yeah. yeah. And those cropped up a lot and and uh, and some of the pointy guitars. So, yeah, I mean, but I guess I'm thinking just like, you know, watching MTV at that time like you're saying like every other band had these pointy guitar or a super strat and and like you said, the, the I I got tired of it too because it wasn't, you know, to me when I first heard Eddie Van Halen do it, it was mind-blowing because I really haven't heard tapping like that before. And he had kind of integrated it into his style you know, which right. was cool. But when, when it became a thing, it just became to me, this big parlor trick that everybody tried to squeeze into their solo or their style, which wasn't their style. It's like, it, you're not doing, you know, you're not playing right. your style. You're, you're, do, you're taking this parlor trick and, and featuring it. Like you're saying, like in this ballad, it's like, what are you doing, doing this weird, super fast tapping stuff in this ballad? And so, yeah, for me, it, it, it grew old real quick. And, and um, yeah, I just think it it ran its course. Yeah, it's it's almost like with Hendrix, like his guitar playing often overshadows his songwriting, and he was a yeah. great songwriter. And yeah. so, and to Eddie Van Halen, I mean, he I heard something, I saw a video of him, and it was from the era where what's his face, Sammy Hagar was in the band, but he was doing Eruption. It was it must have been he still looked pretty young, chain smoking, uh-huh. but he did <laughs> Eruption. But before he went into that, he was playing this thing. And it was like just beautiful. It's almost sounded like Bill Frizzell or something. He was using yeah. his fingers and he was doing this thing. And it was like super melodic and super cool and yeah. super vibey. Not many people know that he could do that because he did, you know, I don't have all of their records, but it's like seeing him do that was like, this dude is really capable of a lot. And then he went yeah. into the eruption and it's like, yeah, sure. I've heard it. And it's really cool. So it's kind of exciting because it's eruption or whatever. Yeah. I would have loved to have heard a lot more of that stuff in, in his music. You know what I mean? Like, yeah that's because it was super super and you could tell he was into it it was something he was just kind of playing around with on stage before he went into his big solo and it was super super cool but everybody just keyed in on the parlor trick that's the thing that happens and it's like you know it's a super cool thing but it's you know you got to have something else to go with it exactly fortunately for me I, i wasn't even interested in that and which is a good thing because it was really hard. I didn't have to waste my time <laughs> trying to do that stuff, but it's, it didn't appeal to me at all. I mean, I didn't really even really love Van Halen until much, much, much later. Now I, I do, but yeah. you know, I, I got that first record in 79, played it for a while and then I gave it away. I didn't, you know, I just kind of got, it blew my mind. You know, at yeah. first I'm like, what the hell? And then, and then I was playing guitar by that point too. And I'm like, oh shit, it's over for me. I'm never going to play it like that. And the yeah. more I listened, the more I said, you know, I don't really, this doesn't really do anything for me it didn't then but it did it does now you know i couldn't really get i couldn't really hang with the the like the background vocals were kind of these show tune kind of thing yeah. and and i love that about the band i didn't appreciate yeah. it you know it was, yeah. it was it was ahead of its time for me anyway so yeah 
So I didn't waste any time trying to, you know, do any of that fancy stuff. I I didn't worry too much about the speed. So a high performance guitar wasn't something that I really wanted. So I just kind of was on the sidelines, but I'm super aware of it. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I have a stack of 70s and 80s guitar player magazines here, and they're they're all over the place. And you can't, you would be hard pressed to mention a guitar builder that didn't have some form of the super strat. I well, mean, and it, it's interesting that we're talking about this because that's one of the things I was thinking about too. Is 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 how much that guitar maybe influenced a lot of player styles that other guitar if they if they'd played other guitars maybe that wouldn't be the case or you know what I mean like what came first the chicken or the egg it's like you know was the super strat what really influenced a lot of these young players' styles and they wanted to fucking whammy bar and and tap and shit or was what did they have a natural inclination to that? to begin with or you know what i mean because like i could never incorporate any of that shit into my style i just couldn't it just wouldn't i didn't you know what i mean like i couldn't tap or or do these big dive bombs with my i, I never really had a whammy bar like that so i'm just curious to know what your thought is in terms of like how much do you think those guitars influenced well i guess obviously they did influence a lot but yeah yeah i don't know it's i think about that you know like i i think it was nature, the whole package nature, i guess yeah i think yeah. it was just the whole package you know you have this dude who comes along he's mind-boggling you're yeah. a young guitar player and you're playing and it's just like kind of inspires you or just makes yeah. you it just blows your mind everybody's mind was blown and some people like it must be in them to try to see if they can achieve something yeah. like that for me it's like i mean if i see like i don't know if you've seen any of those newer marshals that have like two rows of knobs I see those. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, yeah. I get, yeah. I get, I get <laughs> anxiety looking at one of those, those, uh, those the two channel or the three channel, whatever they're. Yeah, are. yeah, whatever. Yeah, I yeah. just look at it. And I'm like, no, I fuck it. I can't. No, I pass <laughs> next. And it's the same with those those um, whammy setups. You know, yeah. it's like it's got yeah. on the back of the headstock. You got like six wrenches and all this. Oh, it's dude. like fuck that. Yeah. It's like it doesn't. I'm not a high performance player. I don't want to worry. I don't want to have to worry about that stuff you know i have enough to worry about yeah without it and plus i mean one of the things a big deal breaker for me even if it didn't have the whammy bar is like i don't really like thin flat necks i mean and that's what that yeah. that was a that was something that you shouldn't when we're talking about this like looking back you know where everybody is now on like neck size it's super important for them to have big necks now you know right right they would hate and that was like the era of the super super thin Ibanez had a name for it. It was a wizard neck. It was like they had to come up with a special, <laughs> a special truss rod just so oh, it would support this thin of a neck. So um, I didn't really, I didn't really dig that. But I also didn't like the flat profiles. Yeah, I mean, but that is something that you know, you just it's interesting to watch. Like you know, you can see it with Fender. They pretty much the world has spoken. It seems like the market has spoken for the most part. So the standard now is a flattered neck. It's just like. Yeah. It, what it is and you can get the old one as a vintage but for me it's like when I, I remember going to music stores and the first time i picked up my a stratocaster and put my hand on it yeah it feels a certain way you know that I mean, radius yeah. arch yeah. to that it, it does and you take that away and it's like i don't know it's i mean for me it's a feel and vibe it just trumps just about everything i guess yeah i agree and um again talking about the style stuff like that's exactly what I got from Eddie Van Halen listening to him play. I, I saw them live a lot too. And I think in interviews, he said that he said, I didn't have a lot of money. So I could, I didn't have, 
hardly any pedals. And so I was trying to do all this, get all this crazy shit out of the guitar because out of necessity, right? Because I wanted to try to, I didn't have money and I didn't have, so I, it's like, what can I do with what I have? Which is cool. And you can kind of tell that it's, and like you were saying, a lot of his experimentation was really cool. Like one of my favorite things is on Van Halen 2 is that intro to Women Love. Listen to that. It's that false harmonic or the, the tapping harmonic thing. It's beautiful. It's really cool intro. And the song's cool. But so for me, you know, that's the thing that I kind of like lament when these fads happen is like all the players that come after that sound just like that person or not even as good as that. But you know what I mean? Just a copycat thing. And Stevie Ray Vaughan comes to mind, too. There's a cadre of guitar players that came after him that basically just stole all his gear that he used. And, and it you know, they get his sound and they, they're trying to play his licks. And it's like, you know, dude, just try to find your own voice. Try to find your own way. Because, you know, when you flood the market with just that copycat stuff, it I don't know. Then it kind of, I think somehow it taints the, the original stuff to some degree to me anyway, or it kind of yeah. sours me on it a little bit. And that's what we should learn. What we never do is that <laughs> we don't learn. It wasn't, it wasn't Eddie Van Halen making that guitar screen around the guitar that made him a great, you know, guitar player it was his guitar playing. Yes. You would have yes. done it if he didn't do that. That was part of his character that, I mean, he didn't need that to do what he did. You know what I yeah. mean? It just helped. Yeah. And it was just part of who he was. Yeah. So, you know, it was, he was a unique person who had a new unique spin at the guitar. So that's what you got to find and not, you know, but yeah. we're guitar players. We want to, we want to buy everything or just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and it's cool to get, you know, to, like you said, it's, it's cool to get inspired by these things and these watershed moments. But as I've learned, I mean, you, you got to try to, you know, you ever, all of us learn eventually, you know, you got to have your own voice. I mean, there's a great story from, um, Phil Alvin about, you know, he was a big Bill Brunzi fan and he, he tried to sing like him and he, and big Bill Brunzi was talking to him and goes, dude, stop singing like me. You're, <laughs> you're embarrassing me and you're very And he was so bummed out, but then he realized he's like, fuck, he's right. I got to get my own voice. And, and he, and he's a cool, and he's his own, he became his own thing. And so, yeah, it, I, that, that story just sticks in my mind and it, it, it applies to all these other kind of copycat things that we're talking about, but yeah, the super strat, it just took it. It 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 kind of came in, in a flash and and just permeated everybody's consciousness. And then, like you were talking about, it did kind of manifest, or maybe we could say it manifested in a couple of companies. But one is Ibanez with that those gem guitars. Probably those would be the yeah. That's the one that really stuck. And I yeah, mean, yeah, that's, I think you can still buy them. I, I don't know. You know, I guess I'm not really that super strat savvy about modern super strats. I'm. Yeah. I don't know if Charvel Jackson is still around, but they did really well. The Kramer stuff was cool around the time when Eddie Van Halen signed up with them because they were kind of cool. They, I love the older Kramer company yeah. too. They kind of came out yeah. of Travis Bean, you know. And then when they just rolled over to the the Bolt On next, the first series, like I said, they were super cool. And I've, I looked for one online and I can't even find them. Maybe huh. I misremembered the bridge. Maybe it was a high performance bridge, but I don't think uh, so. I think it was just a standard like. You know, knockoff. Even PV had a super strat, and it's so funny. <laughs> give it with PV's hillbilliness. It was kind of like a right. super strat, but just a little bit hillbilly. <laughs> of course. Cool. What was it? Wasn't it the Predator? It was called something. I forget what it had a cool name. Oh my but, god. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Gibson had the Victory. I don't know if you've ever seen the Victory guitar, uh -huh. and uh -huh. and they had something out like a USA one or something like that, or I don't remember. They had a few, and then Fender, of course. Didn't you have some Japanese Fender? Um, guitar that was sort of super strappy and had like a like the fancy bridge 
Didn't you have one? Do you say for a while? No, no, I had a no. No, the only super strat guitar I had was that Mateo that I converted. Okay. Oh well, yeah, and the only other strat I had was like an '80s strat that just had the lace sensor, you know, pickups in it. But they were single okay. coil. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. Strat guitar, but that's an, I was always intimidated by the Floyd Rose setup because I mean I played on those. Some people I knew had them and stuff, but I was like, damn, this is a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> like you're yeah. saying, you gotta you gotta put you gotta screw through the nut area of your of your neck. You gotta route out your body. <laughs> and it's like it's like the Starship Enterprise on your no, I like that, you know, I even having a couple of strats, I like the idea of the, you know, the vibrato or the tremolo or whatever the fuck you call it. And, but I just, you know, I just, just not something that I'm set up to kind of deal with. I think the, the humbucker thing makes a little bit of sense because, you know, since the dawn of the Stratocaster, there's been no shortage of people complaining about the bridge pickup <laughs> sound on those, right. which I actually kind of like. If you have a good one, I mean, strats vary a lot, but I like that kind of, I mean, that's the sound of like early rock and roll and, you know, surf yeah. and all that stuff. It's really, really thin and really, but there's a rattiness to it when you get a little bit of a volume and a little bit of drive to it that that only the Stratocaster does. It's not, yeah. I mean, the Telecaster does it differently. So I like that. And I don't know that I've ever even really played an actual f- Strat with a humbucker in the bridge. I, I imagine it would probably sound pretty cool, but I don't know. It's kind of like, I like a guitar that, you know, I just like guitars that were are what they were. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, and I'm yeah. like you too. I never, I never could incorporate like, the whammy or any of that other stuff into my style. I just, I, for some reason, you know what I mean? And that's just a direction I went in my playing. I just, it just didn't, it never presented itself as, as ways to, I, I just couldn't incorporate it into my playing. So that's another reason I think, you know, probably I know ne- it never resonated with me is like, I, you know, what am I going to do with this whammy bar and stuff? Like I, like I use a vibrato bar sometimes, but just melt, but basically just to get, you know, that mellow, you know, stuff, but, no, I love that stuff. stuff. That's yeah. the stuff. The, sh- yeah. the shimmer. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. But the dive bomb stuff I could never get. I, I could never do that. So, well, what else about the super strat? I don't know, man. I don't, I know that there's, there are people out there that have a great appreciation for them. Yeah. And I'm glad that there are, especially like yeah. now that they're getting to be vintage, I'm, I'm hoping. And I, I think, I think Frank of Thunder Road Guitars, I think he might be into them, which I think yeah. is really cool. So they're definitely of the era and they're kind of cool. Guitars are so personal. If you know, there's yeah. just certain things that you look for in them and other things that you don't. But I do remember there was a lot of backlash to those guitars, probably from like 85 to like 87, 88, uh-huh. where like, you know, the M- in MTV or anywhere, you know, just like on a magazine cover or something, there would be like some hair band with them with a strat with a pointy headstock, a super strat, and someone would be like, Oh, that guitar, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> caused a lot of uh, a lot of hate they made a statement man yeah and the colors too when you said frankie it, um the green day dude um, billy joe he had kind of a super strat maybe it was a bastardized thing he had humbuckers in his strat it yeah might have been one humbucker maybe too i mean it was one humbucker i think he got that at yeah. fat fat dog guitars yeah like, they put together guitars like but see i don't see i don't really even think that i guess we're talking about slightly different things because i don't really don't think of that because he i thought of that as like you know a you know it's a classic stratocaster with yeah. a humbucker in the bridge yeah. which you know and um kurt cobain did that too you know what i mean and i really don't oh, think of, you know i can't really think of them as like super strat players you know what i mean because it still yeah. has the you know the, the regular neck i think the things that it has to be true I, 
And who cares? I mean, it's just a, like an arbitrary <laughs> term. But when I'm talking about it, I'm kind of thinking of that, like a super flat and wide neck. Got it. You know, the yeah. high performance whammy bar, which neither of those yeah. guys had. And later on, a pointy headstock and uh, and then the, uh, the, um, the the crazy colors, the beautiful that, colors that all the, the beautiful hair bands used to play. I, now, that, also, you said something too that made me think about when I was younger too, and playing a single coil versus a humbucker. You, you, when you play them side by side, you see the difference in output and everything else. So you're yeah. right. I, I can understand the allure of like, especially young guys that want to shred, that feeling like, yeah, that single coil is not going to do it for me, man. I've got to have two coils cranking, you know. And even rockers. I mean, Fender still makes you know Stratocasters, straight up Stratocasters with a yeah. you know a humbucker in the bridge. I mean, a lot of people. Yeah like them the the pickups back in the the um peak of this super strat they were ridiculously hot though too i yeah. mean those were just like that was sort of the hot pickup era too <laughs> i mean just if you just think about that little window of the 80s especially like the the mid 80s to to the 90s it was just things were so weird then and now we've had like how many decades since then and it has never been that weird like it's just i mean all that stuff like the the colors and just like people, just guitar culture. Like I was, I'm listening to you talk about Eddie Van Halen out in his garage, you know, banging out that Strat. People yeah. would like lose their shit. He's like, wait a minute, that's not that humbucker is not for the bridge. It's a, <laughs> you know, it's just wrong. It's not, right. it's not spaced for a Fender or just all this other stuff that you know we obsess over, and it, and it really doesn't fucking matter. Well, what's cool? What's cool? Like you said, it was this weird little chaotic blip in the. But what's cool is coming out of that is is grunge and then like alt music where people started to gravitate towards um, just regular guitars. And what's cool is kind of what what started to happen is student guitars became like the thing, right? Like for, in indie and even alt stuff, you know, people yeah, that, are playing Mustangs and and Broncos and yeah. Music Masters and all that other crap or Juniors and stuff like that. So. Yeah. It's weird. The Fender, I think, I think the nineties were, were kind of where the Fender budget guitars really came into it. But in the eighties or the seventies, in the eighties, it was especially with like the English punk rockers. It was the juniors and the melody yeah, makers, like the, yeah. the Gibson's budgets. But it is yeah. funny because I never thought of that before because it does seem like in the nineties, that's when, you know, the budget Fenders really became popular. And before that, it was the budget Gibsons. Yeah. And now it's both. Yeah. And I think it's cool because I see a lot of young artists playing like even new fenders, like new jazz masters and, and Jaguars and, and reissue amps and stuff. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see that that stuff still has an appeal to, and I think it's, it's also they're probably uh, dovetails with their style, right? Like I know some artists that I really dig that are current young artists that, that play this fender gear or, or Gibson stuff. And it's cool to see. For me, anyway, you know, for you and I, who have seen this, these trends come and go and stuff, I, I just love to see people kind of playing these, just a regular guitar, you know, like and a regular cool amp, like a tube amp, or that's right, kind of, fun, kind of fun. Well, cool. Well, I think we've we've covered the the super strat. All right, man. Well, as always, thanks for listening, people. We really appreciate it. Keep listening on Apple and on Spotify, and keep giving us a. Uh, ideas and corresponding with us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.